Hi, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast, and that's our guy, Johnny Guitars. There he is, Johnny Guitar. So, John, we got a lot to cover today. Everyone loves your riffs, by the way. <laughs> Excellent. All right. We got a lot to cover today. Um, on Friday, I debunked a rumor <clears throat> that Antonio Pierce only got a two year deal because Mark Davis doesn't believe in him, which is just stupidity and all of that. I talked to, you know, um, Devonte Adams, who gave his first public comments on Getzy, and he, man, he was like a kid in a candy store. He couldn't hide his excitement. A lot of good things happening around the Raiders, and Antonio Pierce is changing things. Josh McDaniels, very buttoned up, very starchy, very what you'd expect an NFL head coach. It doesn't say much. AP, if he feels it, he's going to say it. I mean, such a breath of fresh air. Are you surprised the new aura, the new way people are looking at the silver and black? A little bit because it's such a contrast from McDaniels, but not after seeing things like in-season hard knocks, the relationship between the Dolphins coach Mike McDaniel and his players, and even watching the NFL honors, um, again, somebody referring to their coach in the first, first name. So – this is a change and a transition and era is moving forward and we are seeing it with some of the coaches that are not going to work next year and we're seeing it with guys uh, like Antonio Pierce. So it is a little bit of a surprise. It's certainly an adjustment. This is the massive trend. This is the way all this stuff is going. The old school coach, maybe it'll come back around again, but it's not coming anytime soon. The collective, the Raiders are presenting themselves with Pierce's their leader, but as like a collective, we're all in arms and arms, not like I'm running the team. You guys are playing for me. Right. John, are you surprised? I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. Um, I love this new wave in the NFL. Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryan, um, Antonio Pierce. I like this new wave of let's bring in the younger I mean, Vrabel, let's give him credit. He started it. I like this wave. I think it's good for the NFL. They're going away from the stodgy business partner, a guy that looks like he could be your accountant. I like where it's – no offense to accountants. I got a good one. But I I love it. I think it's great for the league. I think it's brought a breath of fresh air. You know, AP – not afraid to speak his mind. Um, I think the Raiders are learning. He's not going to be handled. You're not going to handle him. <clears throat> if he wants to say it, I mean, he goes on Radio Row and he talks about the new OC. So, okay, they release a press release. I mean, I like it. He beats to his own drum. He knows I'm going to get fired for losing, kept for winning. So I'm going to be me. 
I again, D'Amico Ryan's that way. Dan Campbell. I like it, John. What are your thoughts? Uh, it comes with an acceptance that there's two kind of coaches, those that have been fired and those that will be fired. That is the ending for way more than 90% of them. So we understand that. That that seems to, to jibe. Uh, mm -hmm. What you're seeing is guys who played in the early 2000s really not gone from the sport very long. All of a sudden, that's that's what we're seeing being elevated right now. Now, there's still a lot of young guys that were offensive coordinators. We see those head coaches across the sport. We also saw maybe a couple coordinators fall on their face, like the Chargers coach that probably wasn't ready. I actually think that the players are more ready to be head coaches like Ryan's Campbell and Pierce than some of those other guys. And I like some of the just plain mentorship that went on for Dan Campbell. He learned from a really good coach. Antonio Pierce learns from Marvin Lewis, learns from Herm Edwards. He's learned from some really good guys too. And Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. And he's got the stark contrast to what no longer worked. Unfortunately for Josh McDaniels, the timing, like the wheels and everything fell off all at once. Nobody wants that type of coach right now. And it's very unlikely that it's going to come back. That guy's going to have to retool his business in another time, in another place. So this is what the players appear to be driving. And when you look where the Raiders are now, and you talk about the new offensive coordinator and Devontae Adams talking about how excited he is, that is what you probably have to have now. The days of this is, we're gonna run the team, this is what we're gonna do, those days are over. I, I, I don't know how many people, can you really remember the offensive coordinator for the Giants during the Parcells era or, you know, I mean, we know Sean Payton during the, the Cowboys era was around there, but there was like a, kind of my way or the highway. That, I think, is transition. Now it's like, who can we bring in to get on the highway and take this ride together? And one guy that needs a little credit for that is Pete Carroll. There's a lot of things that Pete Carroll did with Ra Ra doing the way he did that some of these guys like Campbell and Pierce and Ryan's, they're taking a lot from Pete Carroll, which is not a huge surprise considering when they were in college, when they were in the NFL, and how long Pete Carroll was around as well in Seattle. Yeah, I agree with you on that, John. Um, I got to say this. First of all, you and I are two middle-aged. Well, I'm a little bit older than you, so that's not fair to you to call you middle-aged. But um, Pierce is shaking it up. And I mean, he shows up at an event the other night. Everybody's dressed up. Now you got to the guy is buff. He looks like he could still play linebacker. He got muscles all over the place. You know, he's got the bald head. He's got the black shoes, the black suit with a black t-shirt. I mean, he just looked cool. It, he speaks his mind. Hey, what do you think of the Chiefs and the? San Francisco 49ers, your biggest rivals being in the stadium. He goes, you can borrow it. Get the hell out. I mean, he just, it's a its a breath. Uh, the NFL, I believe this, was getting too stodgy. It was getting too buttoned up. And, it, and, and, and he's been a breath of fresh air. I've got to ask you this question. Two years ago, just two years ago, 24 months ago, if I'd have told you Dan Campbell, D'Amico Ryans, and Antonio Pierce would be head coaches in the National Football League, and Bill Parcells wouldn't, 
and Mike Vrabel wouldn't, and Pete Carroll wouldn't. I mean, if you're going to a horse track betting that trifecta, you don't make a lot of money. Does it not show you how quick, and this is what I think is good about the NFL, I think it got into a rut, and I think it's gotten out of that rut now, and it shows us how good, and I'm not a Goodell fan, you know that, but it does show us how good this league can turn on a dime and give you nine cents change when it needs to um, metamorphose itself. Well, if 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 you win, yeah, the Belichick retirement is is um, I guess at some point we thought that would have to happen, but you know there was never one mention of Bill Belichick going to another franchise during all the success in New England. So you just kind of counted on it. The idea that he would be out at the same time at Pete Carroll. And also that Mike Vrabel would be standing on the sideline for a year. Yeah, that that is a huge surprise. I didn't see this run of players coming. If you look at it on paper, you would have thought Pierce was a couple years away from being a head coach or, or possibly being a, uh, a college head coach. But that's on paper. We think about Mike Tomlin. We think about John Harbaugh. We're just looking at paper. We're not in those situations most of us are not around those teams to know what's going on. Like, okay, that's a guy that's going to be a head coach. Um, so, no, I wouldn't have expected to see that. Maybe one of those guys, sure. Um, even when the Lions hired Dan Campbell, I don't know that that was a, a expectation. Uh, from Campbell's perspective, you see a guy making progress, working with the right mentor, preparing himself to be a head coach. Again, that was more behind the scenes than on paper. On paper, you're looking at Josh McDaniels. You're looking at other guys that you know that have been proven. But yeah, what looks like is happening is that that it's flipping. Now, I tell you, if Mike Tomlin would have moved on from Pittsburgh, that would have been like, whoa, how much can we take at once? Luckily, he's safe there, of course, and wants to keep going. And I think when you look at some of these new guys also, you keep in mind, Tomlin, there has to be some idea and envy around the NFL of the stability of the Steelers. Now, the term of stability is not going to be what it once was, even Tomlin. Those three guys, I'd be shocked if any of them coaches long in one spot as Tomlin did. But there's stability. So if you're the Raiders, if you're the Texans, if you're the Colts, if you're the Seahawks, who've had some stability, or if you're the Washington football team that, you know, obviously has not, everybody should be thinking and, and desiring stability. I say everybody, because at this time, the Carolina Panthers are still the Carolina Panthers. Their owner doesn't seem to get that message quite yet, but I believe the Raiders got it. We talked about one of the advantages to hiring Antonio Pierce when he earned the job was to set a foundation, set a highway for actual stability. That is valuable. There is some value in that. Even though it's a not-for-long, two-year cycle league, you got to set the road for stability. And that's what looks like has happened with those three recent player turned into coach hires. I totally agree with you. And the reason I went back 24 months is 24 months ago, Dan Campbell was a coach that everyone thought was just kind of on his way out. Is he going to get fired after one year? All right. I want our listeners to know we are not done talking Raiders, but we're going to talk about the Broncos. We're going to talk about Kansas City. We're going to talk about San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles, because I think it all impacts the Raiders. 
We're going to go around the NFL a little bit, which is why we bring John in. But but stay with us. We're not done with Raider talk. John, the Bears are going to get a new stadium. Um, a lot of people think, and you know I'm from this area. I'm from, you know, Lower Peninsula, Michigan, that it's going to be in Indiana. Who cares where it goes? Your thoughts on the Bears, the new stadium, because there's there's some interesting things coming out about it. It's interesting for a lot of reasons. Boy, do the Bears have an offseason with all the draft picks, the Justin Fields decisions, and maybe they've got the right guy there making those calls to lead the way. You know, Kevin Warren transitioned the Big Ten in a massive way and maybe shocked a few people when leaving one of the most powerful jobs in the sport to go lead the Bears, who haven't had... I mean, they've had some runs of stability, but there there seems to be leaks in the ceiling with the ownership sometimes. It's the city. What is it? So here comes Kevin Warren to try to sort all this stuff out. And the Bears are buying land or talking about horse, horse land out in Arlington. And then there's a nice video showing how they're going to redo Soldier Field again. And now there's other talk. There's even talk about uh, the White Sox uh, building a new stadium, turning the old one into a soccer field. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. Kevin Warren is a pretty smart guy. This is going to be real interesting. Let's see what they do. Everybody knows the lake. Everybody in the country knows Lake Michigan. Everybody wants to see the Chicago Bears in a great setting. And this is something that is going to transition that area. And the reason I say that is, are they going to put a roof? Are they going to have a dome stadium? The roof like we see in Las Vegas, the roof that we will see in Nashville, the, the trending roof that we see, does it need to be retractable? There's a lot going on here. This is a huge decision for the Bears. The draft picks are big. They affect the next five to whatever, eight years. The stadium decision and what Kevin Warren can pull together, this is a four or five decade move. It is fascinating to watch what's going to happen in Chicago. And I think there's a real good chance that they're going to have a new facility on the lake that is going to make people excited. And if it's got a roof, baby, you can book a Super Bowl there too. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. A lot of people say there's no extra property. Are they going to go play in Champaign, you know, Urbana-Champaign, where they – played the last time, which makes me feel old because I remember when they renovated Soldier Field. Holy moly. Remember how long? Yeah. It was like a, a season or two. They're playing at the University of Illinois. It's like, whoa, boy. I don't like that idea. I, I like the idea of them clearing something out, putting a new stadium in, and making the easy transition. We're in a different era. A lot of people don't even remember when they went to University of Illinois for those games. Um could we really survive that? Could the Bears survive that? That would seem more obtuse and really strange in the 2020s than it did in the pre-social media era, the um, pre-iPhone-ish era. It just seems like that's a real big stretch. But the iPhone-ish era. It, it, it's not windy. The windy city is not because of the wind. It's because of all the polls and political and gas that throws around Chicago historically. So this ain't going to be clean. It's not clean already. Warren knows it. I'm excited to see what he can do with it because this is the challenge of his career. I, I think the possibility of moving it <clears throat> just across the state line in Indiana, uh, 
just for tax reasons and everything else, people don't understand that's still very, very close to Chicago. And uh, people can still take the train out there. I think that's fascinating. And I think it gives them a, a, a chip at the table that says to the city, y'all better get your crap together. We're not overpaying just because when we can go a few miles to the east. I, I think it's fascinating. All right, let's talk about Caleb Williams on cruise control. Explain what you mean by that. Caleb Williams is from the D.C. area, the DMV, if you will. When players go home to play professional football, it does not always work there. No, 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 no. The Washington football team had better do their homework. Let's take a little history lesson. Way back when, there was a time when the Washington football team looked like they were going to trade up to take Charles Rogers with the number one pick in the NFL draft. They did not make that trade. Charles Rogers ends up in Detroit, the area he's from. Absolutely worst possible place he could have gone the absolute worst possible place for his career. That's one example. That went really, really badly. Some bad luck. It just was bad, period. More recently in Washington, Chase Young went back there. Chase Young was basically kicked out of Washington because he didn't play hard enough on a consistent basis. Chase Young's reputation around the franchise was too often too complacent. That is the opposite of what you want in your quarterback and team leader. I don't know Caleb Williams. I'm not telling you that he's going to come show up and be complacent and get too many people patting him on the back, but that team and franchise have to be remarkably aware of that. Their offensive coordinator should know, and I'm sure he's already communicated with the brass there, and he better be darn accurate or his professional career is going to take a hit. They got to know if this is a guy that can do that or if he cannot, or if they're not sure. And if you're not sure, you probably need to take the other guy. Watch out for pros, especially quarterbacks, high-profile guys who stay in their home area. It does not always work. A lot of times it doesn't. To his credit, and this guy has not gotten anywhere near enough credit for this yet, Aiden Hutchinson has done unbelievably well following in Hall of Fame footsteps, for God's sake. In his hometown, he's playing in Detroit unbelievably well. That is the exception to me. That's not the norm. The norm is Chase Young. Chase Young's going to be much better in San Francisco, in Chicago, anywhere else other than D.C. And the really best thing for him was probably getting out of there. The best thing for the Washington franchise is not necessarily getting Caleb Williams because of this intangible factor. Sometimes home cooking is too comfortable, baby. And as I've said for years, and the folks out there are probably going to say, hey, it's not a bad idea. Complacency kills the cat a lot more than curiosity. Watch out for complacency in the draft with guys going to their hometown areas. John, I've started really pushing Todd Christensen to the NFL Hall of Fame. He deserves it. He should be there. Um, but I want to talk about the emerging changes in the NFL in the emerging position of the tight end. Let's talk about that. It's the X factor, baby. We've seen it. We now know it well, don't we? We saw Gronkowski. We saw. We see Travis Kelsey practically impossible to cover, dominating with the, with the ability to catch the pass. We're going to see a fantastic tight end battle uh, here in the Super Bowl. I mean, mm -hmm. really, two fantastic ones. And we're seeing such value out of the tight ends because of their production. Now, we always talk and think players first. How are they doing? What's going on on the field? You know, the NFL has that whole other side of salary cap and salary cap management. 
There is such a value right now in tight ends relative to production, the really, really good ones, and relative to what they cost. They are not yet receiving or being paid like your wide receivers. So whether you're talking about Kittle or whether you're talking about um, Kelsey, uh, you're seeing two of the best value guys. Now, the Raider angle to me, and we may be jumping ahead a little bit, but I want to put a little nugget in the heads out there. What do the Raiders do if Brock Bowers is on the board when they have to pick? Now, they've got a tight end that looks like he's got a future, but if Bowers is clearly the best player in the draft at that time, what do they do? I'm sure they've thought about it. I don't know the answer, but that could be a weird crossroads. The value of the tight end is huge. How do you say no? Well, watch for my next mock draft because uh, that's a guy that if if – if, if they're not able to get Jaden Daniels, let's say J.J. McCarthy's not there, they need more tight ends here, at least one. I, I'm going to say at least one. But it's it's fascinating to watch. And, and you may remember last year in my question and answer article, the first time I was asked, who are you hearing the Raiders are watching the most? This was months ago. I put Bowers. That was months ago. That's what I love about the digital age. It's all out there. You can go look for yourself. All right. Let's talk about <clears throat> the Broncos because they look to be in quite a quagmire. Let's talk about the Broncos here. We're staying on the other side of the sport here, folks. We're talking about the salary cap side. Now, everybody's going to get their hands ready and want to get ready and start talking and dreaming about free agency. Well, guess what? The Broncos don't have a lot of room to add free agents right now. That yep. franchise is definitely in cuffs mm. right now from the Russell Wilson situation, which we are very confident is going to play itself out some way, some form, I suppose, sooner than later. But that team is a little bit hamstrung when you're talking about the salary cap. They do not have a lot of room to move regardless of what happens with Wilson. That is something to keep in mind. Now, they have six picks in the draft. They do not have a second round pick, which is a significant one. Um, they've got some needs, obviously, along both lines. They're going to have a, some obviously huge need or something to figure out with the quarterback position. But what's interesting to me is that the damage the Broncos did, mostly with the Wilson deal, is going to kind of keep them somewhat frozen solid mm -hmm. while the entire division around them is looking to make moves. You've got new coaches, obviously. You've got new philosophies. You may have, yet again, a Super Bowl champion. The Broncos, they're going to feel a little bit like they're stuck standing still, and they're going to watch people go past them unless they draft remarkably well. When we watch free agency news, don't expect to see a lot from the Broncos. They're stuck. And this is why we bring you on because <clears throat> you and I go around the league and talk about subjects that should be a big deal to Raider fan and Raider fan needs to understand as you're watching other teams in your division improve, you've got the chargers that are 40 million over the cap, terrible position for the Broncos. This just, this, this is a lot of open field running to quote the great general George Patton opportunity here for the Raiders. All right, let's turn to Kirk cousins. <clears throat> in the interest of full disclosure, we know him. Uh, love Kirk. Got a great relationship with Kirk. Consider him a friend. Um, I think ideally he would like to stay in Minnesota. I believe that's where his heart is. 
Um, we'll leave it there. If Brock Purdy costs the San Francisco 49ers the Super Bowl, now if he if they lose and he plays well and they could have won, I think it's that big. I, I think he, he's there, and I'm I'm a big Purdy guy, by the way. But um, I think there's so I think there's a chance that he could go to San Francisco if Purdy costs him the, the the Super Bowl. There's also a chance he could come to the Raiders. I'd like your opinion on Kirk Cousins and what's going around with Captain Kirk. First of all, we see he can move pretty well. We saw the NFL Honors little spin around dance move he did. Um, and we talked about this on this show uh, weeks back that you wanted to keep an eye on Washington and Atlanta. Well, that dust has settled now. He knows who's going to be there. I don't see any kind of direct tie or direct inspiration that makes me think he believes that those are either a good fit or more likely to get him a Super Bowl shot than if he stays at the Vikings. So as we sit here today and these cards are being reshuffled, it looks to me more like staying in Minnesota is going to give him the best shot to win. He has talked about the fact that this is not all just about dollars. He has also talked about, or somebody asked him about the, the possibility of playing for Bill Belichick. Well, obviously that's out the window. That's not going to happen. The interesting thing you mentioned is San Francisco, because we know the incredible respect and honestly career launch that Kyle Shanahan uh, helped Kirk Cousins with. There's a great book in there someday about the work they did and how they both took off and how much it took. And there's no doubt that this would be a good fit. There's also no doubt that if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, no need. And if Purdy plays really well, no need. But as we sit here today before the Super Bowl, the options, I think, for Cousins relative to who's got a better shot to get to a Super Bowl than if I stay in Minnesota assuming Justin Jefferson stays there too, they're now shuffling and they're narrowing. So the Jefferson wild card, I think, is the one to watch. If for some reason something breaks down there and he's either unhappy or not going to play in Minnesota, that would seem to open the door more for Cousins. But if you're Kirk Cousins and you want to get a Super Bowl, you've probably got less than four years to do so. You've got to be really smart, and he sure is football smart, remarkably football smart. I bet he's already prepared. He's got the notes and everything. He's watching it flow. A lot of eyes are going to be on him between now and say Memorial Day uh, to see where he goes next. Who knows? It might be right there in Las Vegas. All right. Chargers staying in the AFC West, the Bolts, 40 million over the cap. But man, you and I both respect Jim Harbaugh a lot, but it's, it's they're acting like kind of a clown show there. What's going on with the Bolts? They're putting a big giant target on themselves. Talking about we want to win multiple championships. This isn't the Big Ten. This is not, this is a ridiculous thing to say. You've already got a target on yourself, okay? By far and wide, you got a target on yourself. Also, you're in the most competitive sport in the country. The one where everybody knows the goal every year is to win a Super Bowl and people want to win many of them. So it makes saying something like that. Uh, less necessary and less wise. All they've done is put a bigger target on themselves. Now, they could go 10-2 and two and start the year and be out of the gates and like, wow. Or they could be trying to make the playoffs in year three or four and if looking like uh, this was a really bad idea. The point is there's no upside in putting a target on yourself. 
there should be no need to motivate your franchise or your football team before you've coached a week in saying something like we want to win multiple championships. Come on, man. How well did that go for LeBron James? It was a mistake. It was a mistake. Fantastic player. James obviously won plenty, but they didn't win six or seven in Miami. It's remarkable that somebody in 2024 would say something like that when being named a head coach of an NFL team. That's it. Keep it inside type of thing. There's no reason to push that out. There is zero upside. All they did was put the bigger target on themselves. That lightning bolt target got bigger. And if you think anybody in the division or around the NFL is not going to remember that or have a little trash talk about that next year on the field, you are crazy. It's coming out and probably coming out in September. It's going to be fun. Listen, I know Jim, respect him. I like him. I like him. And uh, he's a lot like Pete Carroll, though. He's a rah-rah guy. He beats to his own drum. He's different than AP, but similar to AP. I I think it's fun. This is why I like bringing these former players back. Maybe he just likes friction. Maybe he – Oh, he does. He does. He loves drama. I mean, remember the Jim Schwartz handshake? You remember the unbelievable story Frank Beamer says or tells about uh, Samford? Look that one up if you haven't uh, seen that one, folks. It's unreal. Maybe he wants a little friction. Um, If so, it could be a friction-filled offseason. It's really uh, hard to understand. I scratched my head. You know, Sean Payton... uh, maybe accidentally frictioned a little bit during the off preseason um, in Denver. That wasn't very wise. He's cleaned that up. He's not going to make that mistake again. Max Crosby said something this week. I don't know if it was a great idea, but um, it wasn't as, um, it wasn't as. What do you think? What do you think he said that was controversial? Well, he said that maybe we want to be like the bad boys um, here in this new era of the Raiders. Again, I don't see a big upside in saying something like that. All you're doing is putting a target on yourself. I'd probably mute that from here. Antonio Pierce is like, we're going to be disciplined. We're going to not going to beat ourselves. We're not going to take a lot of penalties. They did a great job of that. You start saying you're going to run around and be the bad boys and, and talk a bunch of trash. That sounds more like a Harbaugh type thing that he said. I think that would have been better kept inside, but I don't think it was as 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 just not smart as saying we want to win multiple championships. There's There's no reason to say that in the nfl this isn't taking over a high school job for a team that hasn't won anything and needs some rah-rah spirit this is a professional football team in los angeles fundamentally disagree with you i think max said everything right because it's coming from a player all right let's get to the game tonight the the 49ers versus the swifties here's the thing what's your okay Uh, we're going to take this back a bit to the basic fundamentals of the game. Why? Because these teams are pretty evenly matched. So when I look at this game, this is not the Chiefs versus the Chargers or the Panthers versus the 49ers. It's two really good teams. What this tells to me is, as boring as it sounds, there's going to be more an emphasis on blocking and tackling the basic fundamentals. To me, I think one of the big keys is how well can San Francisco run the ball? I know it sounds boring, but if you were looking for a cue, like let's see who's blocking and tackling better. 
something tells me, and I have no better idea than any of you folks out there, something tells me that this is probably San Francisco's time and that they probably get the Chiefs on this one and that further down the road, I think the Chiefs probably get one more Super Bowl during the Mahomes era. But I think I see a 49er team that knows they have to stop the run, that knows it's Bosa time. They're going to get a motivated Chase Young. They've got Christian McCaffrey. These teams are really good. I think the blocking and tackling is just a little bit better. For Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers, I like the 49ers in a classic NFL game, something like 27-24. Right. I hope that you're right. I want San Francisco to win. I'm saying 24-23 Chiefs. But uh, I hope you're right. It's going to be a great game tonight. Of course, I'll be at the stadium. I'll do my podcast after the game from the stadium. Look forward to seeing everybody there. John, I appreciate you. Thanks for being with us again. Last question from me, real quick. Yes. Because we're up against a a time crunch. Offseason for the Raiders. Are they on the uptick, neutral, or downtick? I think they're way on an uptick. Yeah, I, I think they're on the uptick, and they, they may have the biggest uptick of anybody in their division, which, as everybody out there knows, matters. It's where it starts. The offseason starts in your division, and it starts pretty much tomorrow. All right, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. Follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Hondo Carpenter. Follow me on Instagram, IG, at Hondo SR. We'll see you all next week. He is Johnny Guitars. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa, whoa.